Welcome back to Haven Audio. This is episode five. This is Chad Wallenberg, and I'm here with a guest today, Aaron Taylor. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks it's, for having me. Oh, man, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a couple of weeks now since I've found out that I get to have this conversation with you, and I think it's going to be a good, fruitful conversation for us to have. Yeah, good, me too. I'm, I've been looking forward to this as well. Yeah, and so, Aaron, you are a member here at First Baptist Chickasha with me. Um, I get to uh, give your son Noah a hard time in youth group every Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And uh, uh, you help lead worship, and you're really involved in our, our faith community, and um, I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the last couple of years as I've gotten plugged in here, and so uh, this is going to be good. Um, today, uh, we have you on to, to talk about uh, one of the questions we got. Um, all Every episode that we've done this summer, I don't know if you've got to listen to uh, any of our, the episodes we've done so far, but normally in the summer when we're able to meet in person, we have what's called Note Card Wednesdays. And so Corey will pass out note cards to all of our college kids, and they'll all um, write down topics or questions that they'd like for him to, to cover during the course of the summer. And obviously, because of COVID this summer, we haven't got to meet in person. And so what we did was make a form on our website so that people could anonymously submit topics and questions. And, and we kind of filtered through those and found what we wanted to talk about. And each one of those questions turned into a episode of this podcast. And so this week's question um, was, uh, was stated like this. I'm just going to go ahead and read the question that was given to us. It says this, racial issues slash injustices and Christianity. What can we do as Christians to fight these? Surely we shouldn't just leave them be. And, and you know, this is something that has really been on the forefront of our cultural conversation for the past few weeks. Um, with, the, uh, with, the, with the murder of George Floyd, the most recent of a long line of senseless killings from police officers and things like that. And I'm really glad to have this conversation with a fellow church member so that we can kind of uh, just kind of sit down and talk about this and think about how we as Christians should be thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is, this is it's fun. It's exciting. I think this is really healthy too. You know, it's good that we can sit down as, as brothers in Christ and, and talk about this stuff mm -hmm. and, you know, f find out, you know, you know, what, what should our response to this be? How should we, respond how do we be Jesus in this yeah situation yeah one thing I've found interesting over the last couple of months is it seems like um, George Floyd's death has hit a little bit differently in the the circles or the community that I have on Facebook mm -hmm. right um, uh, and I don't I don't really know exactly how to express this but it seems like a broader range of people, saw that that moment for what it was and it, and it was a little bit harder to I don't know it was a little bit harder to kind of explain it away and and and, and it just it's felt very different uh, than than some of the uh, some of the situations of the past have you noticed the same thing or am I yeah I did and uh, <clears throat> some of my my friends who came up to me and and asked me if I've seen the video and I actually I hadn't seen it I had I've tried not to watch the news a whole lot in the last year really yeah uh, not I mean just because um yeah and then I said okay I'm gonna look at this this about George Floyd and I looked at it and I was like you gotta be kidding me man <laughs> wow mm -hmm. well well for me you know I'm kind of the same way I 
I don't like watching the news, you know? Um, uh, I mean, it just, it just doesn't do very good for my soul, you know? Yeah. And, and I know that we have to be responsible and kind of know what's going on in the world around us. Right. But, um, and, and I've gotten to, I don't know if this is wrong or, or not, but you know, it seems like, uh, news stories break about in, in pr- police brutality cases like this kind of in, uh, kind of in spurts, you know, and, and I know intellectually that it's ha- something that happens all the time, you know, it happens much more than it should, but it seems like whenever, um, it happens once we're all kind of sensitized and we hear it again. And then we don't as a collective, as a collective, we don't notice it for a few months or a little while. And then, and then we notice it again. Right. And that's what I kind of noticed. Uh, I don't remember, um, the man's name who was jogging through a, mm, uh, in Georgia, in Georgia. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, that happened. And, uh, um, I heard about George Floyd a few days before I saw the video, you know, and I just, I, and I, and I heard of the situation. I saw tweets about it and stuff. And then I just, you know, I was kind of in a place of like, man, why is this happening again? You know? And, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about, you know, that murder in Georgia and then, um, and I didn't really see the video until I began to see that, that reaction that felt different on my Facebook page. I mean, frankly, among white people who were a little bit older and maybe a little bit more conservative and, um, and it, and it began to feel a little bit different. And so I sought out the video because I thought, man, this, there's something different about this one. Right. And I don't know if that's wrong of me to, to kind of avoid it, <laughs> you know, until I notice that something different's going on, but it's just, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's uncomfortable and that, I mean, I, I shouldn't avoid things, but I also don't want to go looking for, you know, right. I don't know. I think what was different about this and, and I'm not, I'm, I don't like talking to generalities, but mm-hmm. I mean, so, I guess I kind of, sometimes you kind of have to, yeah. but in this case I would say, so for me, this didn't seem as different as other yeah. things happened in the past. Yes. But I will say because I don't always give certain, the police a benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt. Like, I have still care. I've had it for over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. I'm held to a certain standard that when, if I am going to use deadly force, it's a different standard than what a police is able to do. Mm-hmm. And so, I cannot kill you because it's perceived that there's a threat. I thought you had a gun on you. I killed you. Yeah. No. You have to actually be a threat to my life. Yes. And so, and demonstrably so, right? right. Mm-hmm. So, in the ca- in cases before, like this one, you see where, you know, the law enforcement there they perceive the threat for their life, mm-hmm. and therefore they're able to do that. And there's cases where the person didn't have a weapon, yeah, or they couldn't even get to a weapon. They didn't have, yeah. but it was perceived uh, a life threatening situation, so they could mm-hmm. use deadly force. Well, this is one of those uh, a case where. There's no, there's no way. I yeah. Mean, there's absolutely. Yeah. And, and there, there, there doesn't seem like there's any way to, um, frame it or spin it in where it was, uh, where, where it could to frame it, to feel that way either. Right. right? And right. I mean, you look at, I mean, even the, um, alleged, um, the, the alleged crime that they were, they were talking to him about wasn't anything 
that that was threatening. It was right. you know the alleged use of you know counterfeit a uh, counterfeit bill. 20, uh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and so you know even on that regard, you know I think I think a, there wasn't even a you know if you were looking for a reason to justify, it, you couldn't even say something like. Well, they were worried that he had done something, had harmed someone, and that's what they were questioning him about. And so they were, you know, I mean, there's, there's none of that, right? You know, yeah. And that doesn't mean that, um, that George Floyd is the first person that's been in that situation, but I think it was maybe for 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 some of some of us, I guess some uh, some people who who tend to, um kind of want to believe the best in all of these situations about those who are in authority there. It was, it was really hard to yeah. kind of frame it in that way. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And, and that's the power too of, you know, those cell phones mm-hmm. that's really changed the game as far as like, yeah. you know, the way that things can get out now in a heartbeat and you get to see, you know, you just get to see things that, that are right to, to, uh, privacy being able to capture something on your phone and authorities can't come and scoop it up and put it out there yeah you know you i've heard stories so you know i'm played basketball with guys from uh from queens and when i was in college and from uh inner city houston and they you know their feelings for law enforcement is (laughs) it's pretty it's it's a a hatred and i and i remember like talking to them like why do you guys hate police and they're telling me dude they kill us all the time and he said, one of them was like, my cousin got, he got killed. He came, he went to get a candy bar at a corner store. Yeah. And he, at 10 o'clock at night, walked home and got killed. He wouldn't do nothing. Mm-hmm. He yeah. said, they kill us. And so, and you know, you kind of hear that. And you're like, well, man, I don't think the cops just go around killing people. But if you listen to what, what they're, what the communities are saying, that this has been going on forever, but you just yeah. can never see it. Yeah. And so now you can see it. Yeah. And so this George Floyd, just this a little bit. I think it hit harder because just the way that it happened and there just just wasn't a way to spin it. Like you said, you can't really justify why would he do that? Why would you take it that far? And I think that's when, I don't want to say necessarily a wake up call, but I think, I think it really stirred some, some emotions in all Americans that, uh, that was just, it, it was just unfair. It was unjust. I will say this too, <clears throat> and I've had so many talks with different people, uh, and you know when all when all the rioting started happening, the looting. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I was talking to my wife. And I told her how you know this is it's wrong to be looting stuff and burning stuff and destroying things. Yeah. And I said, but <laughs> and I don't want to say but, but, mm-hmm. and I said, but here's the problem. Here's why this is happening. It's because when I, so when I, I'm a poli sci major at OU, and the first when you after my second year at OU, I'm declared my major, and I started taking all these political science classes. And the first one that we really it was like every every freshman had to take this class. Everyone has to take it, mm-hmm. and it's about society and it's about our, how our nation came together under the rule of law, yeah. and how we're no longer going to be ruled by a king. We are ruled by the people. We're ruled by law. And so what happens is we have this agreement that we are going to be ruled by the law. And so we have elected people, put them in positions to act as a judge. These people are usually honorable people, have really upstanding, a lot of wisdom and insight and and their ability to uh, 
to read the law and to make sure that justice is done. And we have, this is what we have committed to. And I remember the professor said, uh, he said, anytime that there's an injustice done where someone is able to take someone's life through police, military, whatever, but it's, if you're a citizen of America, it has to go through that system. The police cannot have, should never have the ability to go judge, jury, mm-hmm. you know, all the way. Executioner. And he said, he said, and he said that any time that that happens, if that becomes a norm, people have to, you have to rebel. Mm-hmm. You have to tear it down because yeah. we are bound by law, the rule of law. And there's rules in place for a reason. And he, I remember this professor, he said that uh, that would be an attack on, any attack on American like that should be seen as an attack on yourself. Yeah. And and I really believe that's why the backlashers is so, so violent. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not saying that it's nece- it's just, I'm not saying that they, they have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. It's sin. Yes. Right? Um. And I would also say that that's not the way of the, of the cross. That's not the message of Christ. Um, but that I think that's why why we've seen what happened. That's what, I think that's why it played out. Yeah, I saw yeah. Um, I saw on Facebook a post that really had me thinking. Um, you know, because I think I think it was Martin Luther King that said, uh, you know. Um, revolt is is the voice for the voiceless or it's the um it's the voice of the oppressed i think is his actual quote i don't i'm i'm not quoting him directly but i'm paraphrasing um what he said you know and um you know i i saw a post that that really kind of illustrated this for me um i don't know about you but i'm i'm a big nerd you know i i love you know i read harry potter as a kid and i read the hunger games as a kid and you know um and there was a there was a, kind of a season when I was in college that kind of uh, dystopian novels were all the rage. You had the Hunger Games and you had uh, mm-hmm. uh, Divergent and you had several kind of post-American novels, you know. And and this post was, was talking about that and it said, you know, if you don't understand why people are, are revolting, why people are rioting um, – I want you to think about how you felt when the districts, when the districts started rioting, when, when Katniss held up, you know, that three finger salute to the, to the districts. Right. Um, and, and that's true, right? Because, you know, in, and that's one great thing about fiction, right? Is that it can put us in positions where we can think about injustice and kind of be separated from reality enough that we can really actually think about the issue. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that in my opinion, that's one of the most valuable things about fiction, right? Um, and in that situation, you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Flip that, you know, flip that over, you know, knock that building down, whatever, you know, or in Harry Potter when, um, uh, when Harry, uh, uh, gives umbrage to the centaurs, right. And there, there's this, if you haven't read Harry Potter, the most evil character in Harry Potter isn't the main bad guy. It's this professor called professor umbrage and she's mm. horrible. Right. And, and, and Harry and Hermione trick her into, um, getting in a position where these centaurs that, that she's been oppressing can get their hands on her and they drag her off, you know, with a rope around her mm-hmm. neck and, and, uh, 
you know, take her and, and, um, you know, you know, you don't know at that point whether or not she's going to survive. And it you're like, too good for <laughs> what? Didn't look too good for you. No. Right. And you're like, <laughs> that's right. Umbridge. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, when we talk about, um, when we talk about riots and damaging a property and stuff, when we talk about that in real life, you're absolutely right. It is sin, but I think it's important for us to at least try to understand, you know, right. you know, sometimes, I mean, just, just try to empathize, right? Like there are people who have tried everything else, right? Um, yeah. Have tried to protest peacefully or at least, at least feel like they've tried to protest right. peacefully. And, and, I, and I think you know, as far as, there's several things we can talk about, mm-hmm. but I will say this is kind of leads into one point, and it's where I feel like the church has really dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. I don't think the church dropped the ball with this so much. They dropped it with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, they dropped the ball. Yeah, and, and so, I and I was like, beside, I was really scratching my head because I was thinking, huh, I don't understand why this is such a huge thing. That this Colin Kaepernick is like this is such a big deal. I uh, I love the Fourth of July. I uh, I still get goosebumps when I hear the national anthem, yeah. in the flyovers. Um, but it really felt like the only people that didn't like it were white people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying this necessarily true. That's yeah. just what it felt like. Yeah. And so I and I remember people uh, that I've seen that were really outspoken about that when Kaepernick was doing that and how wrong it was and and uh, you know if you I just don't think this is the right way to do it and. And, then, and now this thing happened. I remember the same person that was really spoken was like, well, I'm all for peaceful protest. I'm like, well, I don't think you're not really. Yeah. I mean, and so I, that's what I mean by I think that the church kind of dropped the ball with that. Mm-hmm. Instead of listening and trying to empathize, you got, they got defensive. Yeah. And, and that, and that really, and I was talking to several different people kind of about this idea and what it was is, is our identity by our, I mean, uh, as Americans or really as a church. Mm-hmm. Who is our identity? Who are we as a church? And I would say that that, that hits them hard when they see Colin Kaepernick doing that because I think their identity is more the red, white, and blue yeah. than uh, yeah. than than being that God is our, our king. And, yeah. and I think that that's why that's such a, it was such a trigger. Um, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, I got this bleak look, outlook on humanity, but I will say that uh, I really, really am cautious on, not only say my patriotism, but I do believe that all nations are going to fall, turn away, what, what, you know, whatever that's going to look like at the end. And I believe that, uh, uh, that my loyalty only lies with Jesus. Now, I believe that you know what we have in America is, is amazing. There's nowhere else I want to live in the, on the on the planet. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that we have to be very very careful as Christians that who is our identity in? Is our identity in our nation as the red, white, and blue, or is our identity in in Christ and His kingdom? Yeah. And I think that's where we start to trip and stumble and fall and drop the ball as a church is when we stop seeing ourselves as a kingdom of God and seeing ourselves as Christians in America. Yeah. That's, that's, that's different. Yeah. It's night and day different. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and, and I think that that brings us to, um, I think that that brings us into a really good talking point. You know, when we when we think about um, injustice in general, right? Um, you know, there there are all sorts of injustices in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, there are all sorts of systemic um, injustices in this world, right? Um, uh, for in in America, especially, and in, in so much of the Western world, um, uh, there there have been systemic racial inequalities for for centuries for centuries right um and and but that's not the only thing you know i mean you look at you know we talk about um you know abortion and and the um um uh the danger that um infants in the womb face in certain situations right um you look at uh you know, human trafficking and, and some of the vulnerabilities of, of, uh, you know, young women who are, um, in situations where, um, they, they may have their freedom taken away from them by, by people who objectify them and look at them as less than human. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you look at, you know, all across the world, there are injustices, right. And, and that's not to, not to minimize, um, not to minimize the the issue that's at hand that you and I are talking about, because in reality we could we could break that down and say, you know what? Um, I mean, the, the the women that are most at risk in human trafficking situations tend to be women who also face this 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 racial bias that that, that are also people of color. The the people who the the babies who are most at risk are are in uh, situations where systemic economic inequality is kind of, you know, is, uh, not kind of is, is, is rampant and stuff. Right. And, and so, and, I mean, that's not my point, but my point is, you know, when we look at the scriptures, like, I think the scriptures are very clear when it comes to when it, when it, when it, I think the scriptures are very clear when it talks of, when they talk about humanity, right. We, we are made in the image of God That's right. and, and we are all, uniquely reflective of the the person and nature and work of God. Um, and we, we uniquely reflect that compared to everything else that's been made on this earth. And and I think when we when we take that that image of God, that 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 argument that the Bible makes that we are we are made in the image of God and we apply it to these things and we, we look at the scriptures, it becomes very apparent very apparent that as a church, as a people, we should be concerned about this, shouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, this is uh, this is one of the the things that sometimes I, I scratch my head. Um, I wrote a, a verse here, um, Psalms eighty two, uh, verse three. It says, "Give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute." And there's a call in Scripture to help out people in our that we're around who are being afflicted or who are are facing injustice um i remember uh i'll just say a confederate sympathizer was telling me at one point about how uh how these the slave owners were godly men and all this stuff and, and so so are you telling me all these people are, are are sinners and going to hell i said well i can't I don't, I'm not in any place to say if someone's going to hell or not. I said, but 
I can say that that the voice of of Christ was heard through the people who were trying to free those people and who were mm-hmm. trying to reach people. The people who were trying who were like the the Quakers, the abolitionists, those people who were like this is these people are made in the image of God, what you said earlier. This is not right. This is this is wrong. This is a sin against God. That was a voice of Jesus in that time. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, I think that as a church, that is our that is our our responsibility to 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 cry out to 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 help the people who, if it's and it didn't like you said, it didn't have to be racial. But there's so many injustices, and this is one thing too that sometimes I'm like, man, what? <laughs> this is so sad. But I remember uh, this this guy's atheist. But uh, so I've been Republican since I, was, since I was eighteen. He said, "Why do Republicans hate poor people so much? That they hate them. They just want them to like, just want them to just, just want to kick them to the curb. Yeah. Aren't you supposed to be Christians? Jesus loved poor people, you know. Yeah. But <laughs> and I was kind of taken back, like, well, hmm. I don't think they hate them. I think they just they just don't want to give them." Any for money. Well, I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to with taxes, if you think about it. Yeah. But this guy was atheist, said it. But he does, He, I mean, he hits some pretty, mm-hmm. in, the, would I say that Republicans hate poor people? No, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Um, and I've also heard him say, like, well, it seems like Christians, they, they, uh, they uh, seem so gung-ho about abortion. And then when the baby's born, they don't care about it anymore. Yeah. If it's if it was a uh, you know right to life, why do they don't care about it after it's born? Yeah, they don't want to help the mom out. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, um, and this is just me uh, speaking, you know, from from my heart. This is Chad. This isn't the Haven. This isn't you know the church. Any of that. But I think a lot of people would agree with me. You know, I think I think when things like that are said, even by people who aren't believers and they sting a little bit, we should let them sting as, as the people of God, right? We should, we should feel that and lean into it and think, where, where are they right? You know? Right. Um, I think that that's the, I think that's the example that, that we're given in the scriptures, right? Um, we're supposed to, you know, we're called to humility, right? We're called Mm -hmm. to, um, we're called to a certain openness about our sin and, and, and our sin, each one of us, you know, are, are sinners. And if we're believers, we're sinners redeemed by grace. But, but until we are home with him, we'll have blind spots. Right. And, um, as people point out those blind spots, you know, I think that's a great example of that. You know, I think we should ask ourselves how, how much of that is right. Right. And I don't think that, that, my my friends who are Christian and also Republicans hate poor people, right? But I do think that we all have blind spots, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and sometimes when when something's said and it stings a little bit, um, sometimes that's because they're stepping on a on a nerve. They're stepping <laughs> yeah. on a blind spot, right? Yeah. And I, and uh, another professor, whenever we were learning how to argue and take a position, mm-hmm. like he would, he was pretty hard. If you if you got heated, if you raise your voice, wanted to yell, get defensive. Yeah. He basically said either one or two things. You're not very smart or you're insecure about your position. You don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. Like <clears throat> as people in general, you know, yeah. if we don't really know, if you grow up believing something and you never really thought about, why do I think this way? And then it gets challenged or questioned. Yeah. It's kind of a hard, it's like, Oh man, that kind of, that kind of hurt. Wait, what? Yeah. And I think that, uh, that we really should, like you said, if something stings, instead of acting out defensively, quickly without thinking just to, to, like a reaction to it 
stop and think a minute. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Use that as a time to ask yourself some questions and pray about it. And I think that is always like a a really good practice to do. <laughs> I'll say I learned this a lot, you know, through marriage. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, you got two ears and a mouth for a reason. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stop, yeah. listen, think. All right. Yeah. And uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so, I mean, kind of in light of that, right. Um, and, and I think we've already touched on some stuff that's really valuable and we can loop back at any point, but you know, uh, one story th- from, from the scriptures that, uh, that I've thought a lot about in kind of thinking through and kind of trying to prepare my heart for this conversation with you is, uh, the story of the good Samaritan, right. Um, and, and it's not a direct, uh, carbon copy of, you know, a lot of the conversations that are happening right now, but, but there was, you know, when we think about the Samaritans and, and, and the Jewish people, right, the Samaritans and the Israelites, there is racial tension there. And, um, there is a, there is oppression, there is injustice, right? There, there is, um, there are problems, right? And, and Jesus chooses to tell the story of this good Samaritan and he, and, uh, and, and he tells this story as a, as a reply to the question, who is my neighbor? Right? Mm. Like, um, uh, he, he says, love your neighbor. And, and this person says, who is my neighbor? And he tells the story of, of the Samaritan and, and says, you know, um, you know, there's a man that's, it's, you know, um, in really bad shape and all the people, you know, and, you know, just cliff notes, all the people who are like him or, or should, or you would expect to be there for him. Right. Like, um, his, 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 mm-hmm. his brethren, according to the flesh, the people who look like him, the people who are in positions of religious authority and in, in, in his world, they all walk right by him. But, but the person who, uh, an Israelite wouldn't even touch or look at in the eye or, or, or say any nice thing about goes out of his way to care for him, right? And I think that that, uh, that story being told as a response to the question, who is my neighbor, is really powerful, right? And yeah. I think that, you know, in this situation, as I've, as I've grappled with, you know, the murder of George Floyd, and as I've grappled with... Um, you know, the knowledge that I probably have blind spots in my own heart when it comes to, um, people who don't look like I do or, or didn't grow up in the same situation that I grew up in or, um, who don't talk like I do or whatever. Right. Um, I, I've kind of asked that question of mine a lot, like how, how can I be a neighbor? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I just kind of wonder as, as somebody who, um, who's, who's thought about this, you know, is, do you think that, I don't know, I don't know how to ask this question. I'm kind of dropping out of podcast mode a little bit, Sorry. but like, um, really what I want, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think that it's enough for us all to ask, how can I be a neighbor to those around me? Right. Um, or do you think that, we should have more of an attitude of going out and try and, and fighting injustice, injustice, maybe more actively. Um, does that, does that question make sense? Like that, that's just something I've, it's something that I've felt 
in my heart a lot. Like, am I doing enough by, um, by seeking out, not, not even really seeking out people of color or people or, you know, not, not seeking people out like projects, but am, am I doing enough by loving those around me or should I be doing more? Should I be leveraging the privilege that I've been given and, and kind of the societal default position that I have as a person who has the color of skin that I have? Should I be leveraging that or is it, is it enough to do what I'm doing? Right. Like, right. You know, I would say that the answer to, to your question, it's going to look different with each person mm-hmm. uh i say i would say like in your life i can say like what what you have right now you have a an influence or a, a you know a thing like the youth group people that, you, that you're around that you can speak words into people's lives that is going to, to help them down the road um to hear from uh you know a person like yourself to the words of encouragement that you can give to someone like say of color that's going to if they get out away from high school and start going uh trying to be a man you can you have a really good opportunity to speak some words that will probably stay with them and they're going to draw back on that that's what happened in my life uh whenever i you know left home and i was blessed that i had you know godly men uh who were able to speak truth in my life and, and even, you know, men that were, you know, white guys that talked to me and about, about who I am and about racism and, you know, and, and I think it's more of kind of like they were trying to guard me, Yeah. you know, growing up in like a, I mean, we're Southern Baptist for a reason, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I was the first person in my church that was allowed to marry interracially. Mm-hmm. I had a cousin that was older than me that was not allowed. Really? Right. Uh, and so I think they're, they're they were wanting to protect, you know, but, but it, it, I would say that probably their encouragement, uh, helped me mm-hmm. not be like, man, I'm getting out of here. These people are all <laughs> racist, you know, cause that's not the truth. Yeah. Um, so speaking truth into people's lives is in like, that's going to be huge. But the next thing I was going to get to is what, what, you know, can I do more? What can I do? I wanted to talk real quickly about the difference. But I, this is now this is my own yeah. spin on things. And I don't know if I needed to give a disclaimer that these views don't necessarily represent the views <laughs> of the first as a church Yeah, but I see a difference between tr- prejudice and racist. Mm-hmm. A person has, I know it might sound kind of strange, but I would say that usually in my mind, a pre- you can have a prejudice for a lot of different things, and it's usually because of a ignorance of mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I never went to Middle East until. 2002 and I have very prejudiced thinking about you know like what I was going to eat mm-hmm. it's going to be horrible I'm sure it's going to be horrible uh, the people are probably going to cut my head off because I'm an infidel mm-hmm. you know I, I wasn't racist uh, I didn't understand when I got there the food was amazing and I still have dreams about it today Magluba and Mansif, <laughs> and the people were some of the kindest people I've ever met in my life Yeah, were there so uh, but I had like a, I had, if you think of a prejudice being like a, I had a, uh, what I thought an understanding of what I thought something was, but I never had experienced it. I never had, I, I based on my ideas were based on 
no logic really because yeah. I haven't experienced racism is something further than that. That's when we cross over into to uh, seeing someone lower than you, seeing someone in that. I would say really through eyes of like hatred. Uh, I feel like I do feel like there's Christians who are prejudiced. I don't, and I think that most people are going to be prejudiced some some extent with different things in their lives. But I don't believe, and this is why I mean my views might be different. I don't know if these, I do not, I believe that racism and the kingdom of God are mutually exclusive. Yeah. They can, they do, and I know this, this might be hard for some people to, to, to swallow that concept, but I believe with all my heart that those two things are mutually, I now believe a, a racist person can be, I'm not saying they can't get saved, they can get mm-hmm. saved, but. If that, if your heart really is that way, I think, and I, I was going to read one verse here and I want you to, we can just talk about this. Mm-hmm. This is first John chapter four, chapter four, verse 20 through 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now I I've heard people in the church say, "Well, my brothers white people, they're not black people." <laughs> <laughs> I'm my brother, but if you t- if you listen to what he says there, yeah, he's he's not saying that anyone loses their salvation. Mm-hmm. He's saying you're a liar. Yeah, you don't you don't know God. Yeah, and yeah, it, you're not match your your um your heart isn't matching up with the transformed nature that it should match up with if you if you knew, knew God, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And if you think about when you come to know Christ, I would say if you come to know Christ, you know who God is. We know who we are, what that means. What is it? How, why could we not atone for our own sins? Mm-hmm. We're just sinful. We're corrupt. He's perfect. He's holy. He has every right to damn us for all eternity, but yeah. through his love and compassion, he sent his son to save us. If, uh, how can you accept that? And at the same time say, well, I hate you because you're a different race. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and, and I think I feel the need to even say, even to give yourself over to a functional hatred of someone in the way that you treat them or think about them. Right. right. Cause I think that there are a lot of people, um, who would say, you know, I, I don't hate them. I just think that they need to keep to themselves, right? Like I'm I'm mm-hmm. just full disclosure, I'm thinking of like people that I've known who are older and they would if you were to say that to them, they would say, "Oh, I don't I don't I don't hate uh I don't this is this is a parody of 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 someone this isn't me, right? They would say something <laughs> like, "I don't hate you people. I just think that you should keep to yourself or whatever." Like that is functional hatred. Even if you were to say the words, I don't hate you. Right. Like, and so, I, you know, I kind of feel the need to say, to say that, right. Like, you know, when, when, when the scriptures say, when you, when you say you love God and hate another person, I don't really think that, that John was concerned with the words you'd use to describe other people. He was concerned with right. your heart disposition towards those right. people. Right. Yeah. And I think, Yeah. Exactly, and he's saying that you're a liar. Mm-hmm. So, th- and that's why I think those t- two things are mutually exclusive. Yeah, because you can't, you can't call Jesus Lord and accept God's salvation and do that. It, it, it doesn't make sense. You haven't done that. That makes sense. Yeah, it's like no, you haven't done. You haven't called Him Lord. You haven't. 
You just because you said those words, but you haven't made that. You didn't. You never gave your life to him. You never yeah. surrendered to him. Yeah. yeah, you you can't really hold on to this. It's like a um, the same concept that's that's that is kind of expressed in uh, you know the the rich the the rich man that wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus said, "Well, put everything aside and follow me." He said, "Well, I've got to." You know, I've got to bury, I've got to bury my dad. Right. And, 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 uh, and he said, well, you know, let the, let the dead deal with the dead. You, you follow me if you want to follow me. Right. And he was, he was holding on to something that was, was dearer to him than the love that, that Jesus offered him. Right. Or the same, you know, think of Lot's wife turning back and, and looking at, um, Sodom and Gomorrah and, and, and yeah. turning into a pillar of salt. Like she was, she was longing back towards the life that she was leaving, even though she knew it was perilous, right? It's, it's like this, uh, um, reservation of part of our hearts, right. To something that is, is not in, is not compatible with the gospel. Right. right exactly. And, and, I, and I think, you know, and I, I would even say that, you know, lest we get, arrogant and, and feel like, you know, we're in good shape in that regard, right? I mean, I think there are many things that are incompatible with a life of Christ that, that Christians tend to ty- kind of want to court, right? Whether that be um, lust or, um, you know, just general feelings of superiority or um, or, or whatever, right? There, there are a lot of things um, there, but, but, you know, I think you're right. Like racism uh, you know, the hatred for, for people, you know, any class, any class or group or, or, or whatever people is within that bounds, right? If it fits within, you know, that, that type of thing. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, one thing that, um, I know that I've thought a lot about, and I think probably a lot of our listeners might struggle with is when you really lean into this, it can be uncomfortable, right? I mean, you, you said earlier, you know, we're Southern Baptists for a reason, right? Like, um, you know, that, that is, you know, I'll say on one hand, I'm Southern Baptist com- convictionally, right? I'm, I'm Southern Baptist because I believe that, um, as Southern Baptists, we, um, are the denomination that's, that's closest to, um, what the scriptures say about the way the world works. Right. And that's, if, if I didn't think that I would, I would switch to a different denomination that I thought was closer. Right. But at the same time, in the very name of our denomination, the Southern Baptist church, right. The Southern Baptist convention, um, we are carrying with us, um, uh, I would say maybe we're, we're carrying the baggage of some history that, that reflects poorly on us when it comes to the way we as a denomination think about how people of different races react with each other or interact, should interact with each other. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm a, I'm, I, I studied at Southern Baptist seminary. It's in Louisville now. Um, it's called the Southern Baptist seminary and, and, a good portion of the founding, uh, the, the, the charter professors of the seminary were, were, were racist, were slaveholders. Right. Um, uh, and, and I've, you know, that, that's kind of been one of the, you know, canvases on which I've had to think about this a lot. Right. You know, thinking, being thankful for those, those people for, um, establishing a seminary that now is doing some really great things, but also, condemning them right for 
the, the the very wrong blind spot that they had, right? Like that's there's tension there, right? And it's hard to deal with sometimes. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, just talking about that, when I say like earlier, I said like you know, church kind of dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like you know, I don't feel like anyone needs to apologize. I, I don't feel like you know, Southern Baptists need to say you know we're sorry about our views and what we used to believe and you know. I don't feel like that's necessary, but I will say that um, that you should understand that you are going, you're already looked at in a different light because of the history. So when things like Kaepernick happened, like well, the default is going to be, well, of course you feel that way. You're racist. Yeah. You're, of course you feel that way. You you believe this. You you know what I'm saying? Like there's already a, there's already a lens that people are going to view. By people, I mean lost people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually had more outrage from, I have a, a, fr- a friend who's a Satanist, one who's an atheist, neither neither which are black, one's white, um, towards the response from the church. Yeah. Because like, you can, because like, man, what is wrong with you people? You know what? Why are y'all defending every, every, everyone who's, why are you on the defense of people who killed George Floyd? Like what? Why? Yeah. That makes, you know. And, and I say it, I really, and I was saying, I was actually, I was talking to my wife about this too. I know the numbers, I've heard numbers are like shrinking across the country and not in any one denomination of the church. But I wonder if it's just because, uh, or one reason is because if I'm a young person and I'm seeing what's going on, like right now, for example, and my, my dad or my mom or, or, you know, they're, in their living room they're you know bashing all this, the stuff going on they're really you know making it, it appears as though they're kind of racist mm-hmm. but they're really good Christian people yeah it's going to put a horrible taste in their mouth at the church yeah when they see on the other side people who don't know God are showing support and and you know screaming like this is wrong yeah and I would think that I feel like it's not I don't know if it's necessarily that America's become more and more lost. <laughs> I think the church, sometimes I wonder if we're just not doing a good job reflecting the love of Christ like we should be. Yeah. I think that if we had the same fervor and we're so zealous of the cause of Christ and spreading his kingdom as we did for supporting our political agendas or political parties, I wonder if things might look a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it really feels to me the the more I talk to you about this. Right. And this this is the type of thing that, you know, we could we could talk about this all day and it would be fruitful and good. Right. But just in our conversation that we've had so far, when we look at the question, what can we as Christians do to fight these issues of um, racial injustices and things? Right. It feels like there are two different lenses that we can look through. The, the first lens that I kind of touched on earlier um, of just as individuals, right, as, as parts of the body, right? Like, what can we do to fight these issues? You mentioned that's going to look different for everybody, right? Me personally, I'm involved with the youth group. I'm involved with the college ministry, just, just trying to be intentional and, and, and trying to find my, my biases and things. And um, also, you know, they're as I think from a first person perspective about, you know, as a Christian who's raising two boys who are white, right. And, and trying to, um, model empathy and love to them in a way that, 
that they will know that that a Christ-like attitude towards questions like this is is one of empathy and love, right? Like that that every that's going to look different for everybody. This is a college ministry podcast, you know, a lot of our listeners don't have kids yet and things and they have different kind of spheres of influence and they have different places where they're investing, so that's going to look different for everybody. And we could probably talk about some principles there um on an individual basis, but I also see this lens of um, us collectively as a church, right? And and that gets a little bit tricky because the church is made of up of its members, right? And if we all handle our business individually and 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 seek justice individually, that's going to reflect as the church, right? There's no way to um, kind of short circuit that. But I also think that you know you said something when we were preparing for this that um, you know there there's a higher standard that we should hold ourselves to as the church when it comes to these issues as well for reasons. I mean, really, I mean, I think that you really hit the nail on the head earlier, just, just for the sole reason that racism and, um, a transformed nation in Christ are, are mutually exclusive. Right. Um, do you think that, uh, how, how would you speak to that? Like as the, do you think yeah. that it's enough for call them out. To, you have to yeah. call them out. Yeah. And so if I'm a Christian, now I will say that this might sound unfair, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, in my experience, for me to call a white per- tell a white person as a Christian, hey, I think you're a racist, man. <laughs> it doesn't come across as good as if you were to do it. Yeah. Now, I have called out some guys when I was in college who were black guys. Mm-hmm. And out when we were, they were Christian, so I was taking a Bible study. Well, when I got to... First Baptist Altus, they realized that this was just a white church, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to go back. And I was like, "What do you want to go back for?" Because man, too many white people. Yeah, I was like, "Do you racist? What are you talking? What does that have to do with anything?" He said, "Why they don't like me?" I said, "They love you, man. Let's go. Come on, let's go back." And so I had to call him out and tell him, "You're wrong for thinking that. You don't know these people. How do you say they don't like you? You have to do that because I'm not effective doing that to white. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you see someone putting stuff on social media or hear some conversations." And it sounds like they're prejudiced or possibly, if you're prejudiced, you know, I just want to like get coffee with them and, you know, kind of say, hey, uh, you know, how are you, how are you feeling about the way things are going? And just kind of fill them out. If it sounds like it's straight up racism, you probably need to like go to them or have another brother go with you like the Bible talks about. Yeah. And say, look, man, this is ugly. And I kind of worry that, that, uh, that you were like way down the path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're not, you're I would not, you're I, believe in a lie here. Yeah, because that and I think in, as far as a church's response to that, it really has to happen there. I don't think that even, say, a pastor is going to have a very difficult time doing that. Mm-hmm. I think that that will probably cause a lot of problems. Yeah. I think just because account kind of how a pastor is kind of seen as more like above, you know, more of authority. Mm-hmm. I think it becomes more effective if the if, you know. The members, because you're all kind of on the le- equal kind yeah. of plane. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not talking down. It's more effective if someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, we need to talk." Mm-hmm. Now that's going to be a hard thing to do. And I can tell you that if people have very, very strong ties, if let me just say it this way: if a person's identity is not in Jesus, not in the kingdom of God, and it's in to what they would, what I would call like a a religious blend of like politics. I'm not going to say Jesus. I'm going to say Bible stuff mm-hmm. and a little sprinkling of Donald Trump. Yeah. 
<laughs> those things can really feel like they might really, really think they're really, really good Christians. Mm-hmm. And so they can respond pretty aggressively <laughs> with things I might say at you and get pretty upset. Yeah. What I have found if if a person is really following Jesus though, that they will t- usually they will like think about it and like man, and I think that's why it kind of why the, the scripture tells us how to to address someone if they're, you know if they think they're in sin or yeah. There's certain steps to go through for a reason, and if they won't listen to you, and they won't listen to you and a brother, and, and you know you can read what it says to do at that point. They're just not going to listen. Because, you know, if they're, that, if they're that far gone, they're not going to listen to the Holy Spirit or to you. And, you know, they probably just need to go figure out if they're following Jesus or not. But I would say, too, you know, in, inviting people over, you know, hanging out with people. But to change, to really change things, really got, it's kind of it's like, like a grassroots thing. You got, really got to get down and each person needs to start calling out stuff you see. And, yeah. And, you know. and one thing that, you know, as I, as I sit here and kind of, um, listen to you and have this conversation with you, one of the first things that popped into my mind was, you know, really, what what you're saying is, is the church just needs to operate like the church is made to operate, yeah, right? It really does. You know, um, uh, the scriptures, when they talk about the church being a brotherhood or a family or, you know, uh, um, or whatever, I, th- I think that that illustration is there for a reason. Because I think, for the most part, in a healthy functioning family, there there is... There are conversations and crosstalking and 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 tough conversations that happen. And I think a lot of times um, it's really easy to see our church family, our church community, more like a like a social club or like a um, uh, like a civic organization where we're, we're all polite to each other and then live our own lives on the on the side. And really, it's made to be messier than that, right? You know, I think about. Um, most of our listeners probably know this, but you know, I, I went through a really tough season in life a couple of years ago, right? Um, I went through a divorce and, and was dealing with that. My whole life kind of fell apart and, and I had, um, in the midst of that, in the midst of all that messiness, I had my brothers and sisters in Christ from, from our church, from FBC Chickasha come into that and support me through that. Right. And I had conversations with, um, a lot of people, you were one of those, right? And uh, and I had um, a lot of people both there to support me and there to say, hey, you know, you need to handle this in a Christ-like manner, right? You need to handle these situations in a Christ-like manner. You don't need to let the stress, um, the stress you're going through, give you an excuse to to run from the Lord and to to stray from from the way that 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 you've been called to live, right? Um, and and I think that. You know, when we talk about you know calling people out and and, and having conver- and having conversations with people, that implies that we are living genuinely living life with other people and letting it get messy, right? You know, yeah. I mean that conversation is going to be a whole lot easier if that's not the first messy conversation you've had with them, right? And yeah. that and that means, I mean, I think that implies that we need to be real with our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Yeah. And I will say, like, my call him out, I don't mean blast him on social media either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, go to him in private, you know. But, yeah. Yeah, it, you know, when the, whenever the, the church is not operating like like that, I think that's why you, you do have a lot of problems that, that come up. And I think we kind of drop the ball on things because we're not really walking together as we probably should day to day, going through the rough times together. 
the good times together. Um, and it, it does get messy, but I think too, that's kind of where you figure out who's, you know, who's really this, who's really, who's, who's following Jesus and who's, you know, part of the social club. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, I just want to jump to, uh, Matthew 18, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, go, go to him and, and you might bring, you might bring a, a brother with you and, you know, a brother in Christ with you to, um, to have that conversation. Right. And, 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 uh, then you said, you know, that you don't mean blast them on social media and you were coming from, um, that, that's a biblical command, right? Like the Lord calls us not only to have those tough conversations, but he also instructs us on how to have them. And in Matthew 18, um, starting in verse 15, it says this, and this is kind of in the context of when, um, when somebody sins against you or when you see somebody, uh, living in sin, it says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, right? Like that. That is the biblical model of right. handling conflict, handling sin within, you know, in, in, in the family of God, right. right? And and that is meant not to be a, a manual for how to go after people. Really, what that what that is saying is it's go directly to your brother and, and, and the, and the, the goal in that situation is to win your brother. Right. right? The goal is to, to restore them or is, is to help them to see that blind spot. Right. right. And, and I think an implication there, there, there's an implied truth of if you're going to have the right attitude and going and going and do this, you, you should probably be open to them or another brother coming to you and yeah. showing you right. your blind spots, right? Right. Um, and that's yeah. when I think that's when I kind of said earlier, you'll kind of find out who's really a follower of Christ and who's more social. Because if you've submit, surrendered to Christ, you're going to have, you should have this, this part of humility, you know? Yeah. And so if someone comes to you like that, you should have some humility. Like, okay, this is a brother who cares for me. He's saying I'm sinning. And that's in both. That should go both ways. But when they won't listen and don't want to hear it from you, from this guy, from all these people, that's when he says, "Well, treat him like a tax collector or a gentile." Yeah, and and really, essentially, what that's saying is, you know, assume in your mind yeah. that that they don't know the Lord, right? Because they aren't showing the fruits of that, right? And that doesn't mean to shun them or to to throw them aside. That means to love they, them. They need to go find. Yeah, yeah. It, that they means need to, to love them towards the Lord, right? Right. They need to hear the. They need to. They need to find out who Jesus is first. Yeah, right. Yeah. But absolutely. uh but I do think that um that this is I think it's something that everyone can do as far as like, you know, speaking up and uh, I think that we've done really good with other things, you know, with, you know, like think like you know, things with like homosexuality and we've been very outspoken about that and about abortion, very outspoken about that. Uh, so I think that we, we can, I think that, you know, we, we can, you know, be outspoken about not allowing this to be part of our, our body, you know, like, are you going to be okay? Like ask yourself the question, are you okay if, you know, your brother such and such is racist? Are you okay with that? And yeah. like, you guys are supposed to be brothers in Christ. Are you okay with the way that looks, the way that feels? Are you, 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, um, I think ultimately any sin issue, I think when we, when we ignore those issues of sin in our own hearts and in the hearts of people that we love, we're kind of ignoring the fact that, that sin, you know, one of my favorite pastors and authors is, is John Piper. And, uh, one thing that he said one time that has always really stuck with me is he said, you know, um, sin is like leprosy in your soul, right? And and when you when you sin, you you don't realize that you're you you you're tearing your soul to shreds, and you just don't have the you know the the nervous system of your soul gets more dead and more dead and more dead until you just you tear yourself to shreds, right? In the same way that you know if you if you have leprosy and you in your you know and you're, you're, you know, scratching at your skin and stuff and you're just kind of tearing yourself apart. Right. And, you know, any sin issue that, that we live in habitually will tear us apart. Right. And, and, and ultimately, um, it might be indicative of a lack of relationship with the Lord. And, and one of the most unloving things that we can do for someone that we love is to let them live in that. Right. Right. And, and to let them continue on that path and, and, and to prioritize our comfort over, you know, the state of their soul, right? And, and you know, we look at, at racial injustice and, you know, we see that, that allowing those attitudes to reign supreme in our own hearts and in the hearts of those around us and, and not having those uncomfortable conversations, first, the, they'll, they'll tear up the souls of, of the people who... Um, who embrace those feelings, right? And then they have far-reaching systemic consequences that lead to things like the murder of George Floyd, right? And, you know, it, I think that as as individuals, we really need to take responsibility for first our own hearts and then for those who are in the closest circles around us and say, you know, I mean, I love you too much to just kind of smile and nod while while right. you say these things or perpetuate these ideas or whatever. Right. And that's a, that's, yep. That is a hard thing to do though. But, and I would say before you do that, def, I mean, you really need to pray. You need to pray about that. Not that you, not necessarily pray, should you do it, but pray that God will give you the, the words and that he, that you will not be operating out of uh, the flesh and out of anger but that you really would be led by the Holy Spirit in what you say. Because you don't want to get, you don't want to get fleshy is what I say. Because once you do that, man, it's, you can get kind of nasty, kind of ugly, you know. Yeah. And the goal is always to win, to right. win that brother, win not, that brother or sister back. Not to embarrass them or not to, um, I think one danger, um, and, and I think that we, we're, we're really close to a stopping place. And so I don't want to dive into something completely different. But I think, you know, I think one danger for people, you know, who who are like me, who 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 are privileged in certain ways, and um, you know, have never been on the receiving end of racism directly, right? I think one danger for people like for people like me is is the the temptation towards virtue signaling, right? The, the temptation towards you know um, speaking out in in public forums and shaming other people so that we can feel better about ourselves and dealing with our discomfort when we see injustice by trying to feel better instead of trying to be better. Right. Mm. And I, and I, I, I want to make a point to say that in the context of 
having these conversations in the body of believers, mostly because I remember what I was like when I was in college, right? And uh, I was a lot less sensitive to my own <laughs> temptation <laughs> towards virtue signaling and, and, and my own to- temptation towards trying to make myself feel better by looking better than I, than I am now, I think, right? <laughs> and I can just see college Chad like just blowing up on somebody and being like, I did good for the Lord today, right? <laughs> but I mean, really, um, reconciliation has to be the goal. And and if and if you aren't 100% confident in, in the, if you aren't 100% confident in, in the feeling that reconciliation is your goal and having a conversation, it's probably going to end poorly and you just might make things worse. I think, you know, um, so just, we got to be humble, man. Yep. We got to be willing to take correction and, um, you know, and I think, and I hope in my own life first and, um, and in the lives of those around me that, that I'm am blessed enough to have influence in, I hope that we can humble ourselves and have those conversations sooner than later. Cause you know, I'm, I, I don't want my boys to have to have the same conversation that we're having right now. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I know what you mean. I, uh, it's, it's been, you know, kind of interesting too with our kids. Cause we have, you know, three biological kids and four that are adopted. And, and, uh, one of our biological kids, you, you, you think she's white. I mean, she, you know, mm-hmm. she gets sunburned, you know, yeah. she like her mama. Uh-huh. But, uh, but trying to explain that to them, what, what all's going on and like, trying to help it's it's been kind of difficult yeah. even with our own kids like having those conversations yeah it's kind of difficult especially when they just don't understand what what do you mean they don't like me because yeah you know? yeah but yeah but you know getting through a time like we're going through right now and, and coming out on the other side you want to look back and you want to say man we did the right thing we followed jesus during this time we did the right thing yeah. it's gonna feel awkward it's mm-hmm. gonna feel really awkward uh, you know, going through this and, uh, but you don't want to look back and be like, dang it. Did we, did we drop the ball again? Yeah. You don't want, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. You don't like, God, why do we keep doing that? Yeah. You know, uh, but, and, and so if I would say that like staying silent and not, not, if it's like, I'm not going to do this, it's going to feel awkward. This is too weird. It's going to be too controversial and just being silent. You're probably going to look back and, and be like, dang it, man, and regret. But, you know, doing and really, you really need to be listening to the Holy Spirit and praying. Because I'm telling you, do God's work with the Holy Spirit, not with your head, not with your brain. Yeah. Because he is going to give you power in your words and speaking through you and your actions that, uh, that you just, you don't have the capability to do it. You can't muster up the right things to say. You can't, I mean, there, there's something that happens to someone who's surrendered to the Holy Spirit that, that God uses them in a way that they just can't do that by themselves. And so, uh, but it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel like, well, what if they're going to hate me now? Or what if they're not going to like me anymore? Or what if they're going to like unfriend me? I mean, I don't know what people go, but <laughs> I'm just saying it is going to feel like, really weird and awkward and it's not going to be comfortable at all and uh but i think that doing that with love when you look back you can say man i i loved i'll follow jesus during that time Mm -hmm. and i 
I did what I needed to do to, to share the love of, of God to the black community and to my, my brothers and sisters who were a little bit off. You know, I did, I, I was faithful. That's what. Yeah. 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 Well, um, amen, man. I, uh, you know, just, uh, as we kind of, as we kind of close up, you know, kind of in summary, right. I, I think about just kind of what I'm taking away from this conversation with you, right. What I'm taking away from this. And, uh, for me, I really think for me and maybe those who are listening to this thinking, you know, what I kind of want some clear kind of action points, like the action steps or the things that I am intend to apply in my life from this conversation and from um, kind of this cultural moment, right? I think the first thing for myself is, man, I just, I just want to be very, very humble and look for places that I might have blind spots, right? Like work on my heart first, let the Holy Spirit, you know, speak into my life first and then let that grow into conversations with brothers and sisters in Christ, whether that be those who might be going astray or those who might be feeling, um, who might be feeling this at this time. And I mean, those, I mean, brothers and sisters in Christ who, uh, who are people of color, who are black, who, um, might have doubts right now, whether or not their white brothers and sisters love them the same way that that they should or whatever. Right. And then, you know, and so I think that in my life, those are the two places where, you know, my heart and then those conversations with people who might be going astray and just loving those who, who are around me. I think that that, you know, and so, uh, yeah, I really appreciate, I really appreciate you having this conversation with me. It's been very, it's been, it's been good for me. And I hope that, you know, when, when I, when I sit down to start edit, editing this, that, that it, it will be as good for those who are listening. <laughs> and, I, and I expect that it will be, but, um, you know, I think, man, conversations like this are good, you know? And, uh, I just want to thank you for being willing to have this conversation with me. Yeah, I'm, thank you for, for, uh, asking me to come and talk. It's something that I have, uh, I love to do. I, uh, it's been a big part of, you know, my walk with the Lord and, you know, uh, it's something that I have opportunity now to kind of share that. And I didn't even get to my background. I mean, that could be a whole nother thing. <laughs> but if, you're, if you ever come across some guys who have been treated badly because of the color of skin and they're trying to follow Jesus, I got some good words for them. Yeah. I've had a few, had a few, uh, a few bumps and bruises. So, yeah. 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 Well, I love you, brother. I appreciate you. Love you too, man. Talk to you later. All right, bye.